temperature test him. He's been hot. Can you believe it? Eddie's back. Oh, hail Eddie. What about this from ball inside? 50, Cottrell! From nowhere! Cottrell from 45, directly in front. The Blues are up by a kicky test. Have a look at him. Back there for Cripps. Spins out of traffic. Through one. Pass another. Jones his class. Gets it back from Betts. G'day Blue Baggers and welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. It's your host Jed Zetzer alongside my co-host Harrison Hyman's Bolt. Two in a row, two on the trot. Are we back in business? Oh, I'll apply the brakes on that one for now, but two in a row is very nice. It's a fortnight of goodwill. It is. Nice things to talk about, but um, it was, you know what? It was was actually a great win for many reasons. There was a lot of character because that was a game where... I've seen that script played out before, and that's oh, a game we lose yeah. historically. Well, this year, we've yeah. lost that game like three or four yeah, times. The Bulldogs game, you know, very similar. But um, it was a great win. You know, we they kicked two behinds in the last quarter, Frio. Yeah, we really held him. You know, I mean, our last quarter was fantastic. When the game was there to be won, we pulled through. It was, it was a marvellous win. It really was. It was just a lot of character. It was, a, it was just a very mature win. It was. There's a lot on the agenda tonight, Bolt. Twitter questions are back after a couple of weeks off. We've got a very special guest that's going to join us as well. You know, we'll bring him in now. He's a great man, Bolt, and we've had him on the show before. He joins us today, Nick Negropontis, digital content coordinator at SEN and AFL Nation. He's a writer for the AFL Record, and he is an AFLW expert. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Blues Footy Podcast. No worries at all. Thanks for having me, guys. Nick, straight off the bat, what were your thoughts on the game last night and... Uh, How did you enjoy it? It was nice to have a win. I mean, we haven't had as many of them as we would have expected or liked this season. It appears we maybe don't have Fremantle's number, but we know how to get a good head start on them. And yes, they worked worked back into the game and even things out. But it was nice to know that even when the game is even a three-quarter time, there is a slight possibility that Carlton will actually somehow win the game. So I I think we've seen this year. I think that was the big thing. The fact that, you know, we had all the momentum. They wrestled it back. And we just stared because we were under siege. Even the start of the fourth quarter, we were, you know, we, we don't, when we go to war, we don't usually win. I'll put it that way. No. And the fact not we went to war and won is massive. I, I just think it's such a massive win for the club. Not even in terms of the opponent, just in terms of the way we won. Yeah, it's the first time, oh, it's the first time we've won this year in that kind of situation. If you look at our other wins, they've all been, you know, the game was not over a three-quarter time, but we were pretty comfortably in control. Whereas you look at the Sydney loss, you look at the West Coast loss, you look at the Collingwood loss, the Bulldogs loss, all these reasons, the GWS game to an extent, all these reasons why we weren't, why we aren't in the top eight right now is because we had these even contests at three-quarter time that we just capitulated and gave in and ended up losing. And we lost all of them, which is why the club is currently doing a review and not celebrating being sixth on the ladder right now. 
Yeah. What's no, it's, it's a fair call when you put it like that. Makes me sad when you put it that way. Because, yeah. <laughs> but it is. It's just a lot of. It, um, I'm just very glad they won. It's it's just. It really. It's almost like a bit of a turning point win. Just in, just like maturity. That's what I. That's what I liked about it. It was just mature. And it was like the Essendon game was really good because we we're down and out early as well. But this was just a grind. You know, wet, cold conditions against a team playing for their final series. Let's be honest. Exactly right, and and we're, and we're away from home. Well, well, technically, we were the away team, so we can count that as a road box, road win tick. Yeah, you beauty. Um, in 12 months, when the AFL media aren't paying any more attention, they'll just say, oh, Carlton won that game on the road, um, yeah. which will be a nice, nice little box tick for us. But no, it was good, and it means we're only six points out of the top eight right now, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, but because um, Geelong will probably put us back in our place. But... Um, no, I, you, you have to be happy with, with what we saw, especially across the board. Like, some of the stats don't look great in our in our favour, but the individual performances, I think, were a lot more promising and there was a lot more spark around the group. I think you could just feel it, as opposed to, say, the GWS game. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do agree. Nick, I want to talk about the midfield because I think this has been the turning point in the last fortnight. We've gone with a very stubborn mindset, I think, for most of the year with our midfield persisting with Cripps and Walsh and Ed Kerno as a big three. And I think in the last fortnight, we've really added another dimension by rotating a lot more with the likes of Kennedy and Dow, particularly those two who have actually started to perform. Uh, how big of an impact do you think this is having? Do you, just to throw back a question, do we think this is a coincidence that it's happened after John Barker's departure? Well, I, I personally don't, and I was going to get to that, so I'm glad you brought it up. Bolt, what do you think? Oh, it's hard to know. It's hard to know, but it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it, you know, it's so coincidental, though, that the entire midfield structure has, I guess, changed after, you know, what was he, the stoppage coach? Or yeah. after, after, you know, after he, after he leaves, and it happens to be the two, two of the most maligned Carlton players. Mm. You know, That's that is... You know, I, I just think it, it, yeah, it's probably got some bearing. It probably does. It's an interesting one, though. But you know what? They're playing good footy, those two. They are. And we still lost the clearances 45 to 26 and were belted around the ground. But I think that had more to do with Sean Darcy um, yeah. teaching, uh, decoding a lesson more than anything. I think Tom's still a couple of years away from being able to compete physically with someone like Sean Darcy, who's had a few more years in the system. But you're right. Like, the club has so stubbornly chosen not to play Matthew Kennedy and Patrick Cripps in the same midfield. They almost had a rule against it, you, you could say, up until um, occasional sparing chances where Kennedy goes into the midfield, plays really, really well for a couple of weeks, and then they throw him forward. He has a poor game because he's not a forward, and then they drop him, and we start the process all over again. Um, and then there's the Dow situation where, I mean... Who, who amongst us can't say that we haven't doubted whether he would make it or not, but... Who has? His last, his last two weeks have been outstanding, and I think it started to turn in the Essendon game, too, before he got jabbed in the eye. And, yes. Um, threw his season off a bit. He had four clearances really early into that game and looked looked like he was starting to work it out. And then the last two weeks, I think he's really put it together. I like the fact you brought up the Kennedy Crips, almost the rule that they can't play together, because... I know it's a little bit off topic, but there's a similar situation happening down the highway where Chris Scott's almost said that Joel Selwood and Charlie Constable will never play in the same midfield together. And, you know, you see Constable getting these, you know, having 
days out in the reserves. And you almost think whether it's worth taking a punt on someone like that who's just been blocked by, you know, I guess, you know, a stubborn coaching group. Absolutely. I think the perfect target for Carlton is someone like Pat Lipinski who can play that half-forward uh, pinch hit in the midfield role, exactly what Lockie Fogarty's doing, but also give him some help there, maybe put some pressure on that position in the side. Whereas Constable is more your pure-on bowler, and we have a lot of pure-on bowlers. They just, you know, range from from inconsistent to, to pretty good. And, you know, we, we have a few more coming through too. You'd imagine Liam Stocker will eventually push into there. Uh, Brody Camp hopefully eventually pushes into there. Jack Carroll's been good in the VFL. Uh, you'd hope eventually maybe Zach Williams and Jack Barton do what they were brought to the club to do. But in, in the meanwhile, the combination of Cripps, Kennedy and Dow with Walsh uh, as, as the quartet with Kerno playing sort of that half forward pushing into the midfield and him going, Kerno going in for the really big uh, centre bounces with a uh, with the knowledge that he'll uh, do the defensive work. I think that's worked really well. And you're right in that there's been such a clear shift in what they want to do since Barker has departed. It's gone from Cripps, Walsh, Kerno, 90% of the time, and then you throw Fogarty in, you throw Setterfield in, you throw uh, whoever else, Jack Martin in for maybe one or two centre bounces just to give the other guys a breather. Now it's, okay, Cripps is still in 70% of the time. Kennedy, you're in 60% of the time. Walsh is starting on the wing a lot, yep. which is giving Dow the chance to play on ball, which is giving Kennedy these opportunities. And I think it's, I mean, the numbers, the clearance numbers, as we said, weren't great. I don't think that was their fault, as we also said, but the mix is clearly better. I've got a question for both of you, and it comes to Sam Walsh. And this is, this is really interesting because... I think since Walsh has shifted to the wing, because it's it's evident in the last two weeks, Walsh has predominantly started the centre bounces on the wing. I think since he's made that move, it's actually freed up Dow and Kennedy. And I mean, Kennedy played really well the week before as well, but particularly Dow, it's freed him up a lot more. Do you think that maybe we do play Walsh on the wing going forward? It's a really interesting one because he, he's obviously, you know, he's a gun wherever we put him. Well, he played there last year as well. Yeah, but I mean, for the first half of this year, which was, yeah. you know, tremendous, he was playing inside. Where, where do you think he's better? And do you, I'll, I'll ask you first, Nick, where do you think he, he plays better? And do you think, you know, he should be staying on the wing in order to free up these other guys inside? Uh, I think the best thing for the team is for Walsh to probably play 70% on ball and maybe like 20% wing, 10% on the bench or something like that. I think he should still predominantly be on ball just because of how good he is. Um, not necessarily at centre bounces. Like if you look at our centre clearance numbers for this year, it's actually pretty alarming that Cripps has won 42, Walsh has won 22, Pitten 19, Kerno 17, Dow 12. So... We're very reliant on Cripps and then also Walsh to, to win those set of clearances still. Um, so I would like to see Walsh stay on ball, but I do like him spending 30 or 40% of the time on the wing as well just to give these opportunities to, to Kennedy and Dow. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. Bolt, where do you sit with this one with, you know, Walsh? I guess it's almost a question of, you know... Do we play Walsh on the wing where he's going to be better than whoever we're playing yeah, on the well, wing? I but, think, but maybe slightly worse than he would be in the middle, but you get better results from playing other players you know, in the I, middle. I think that's what they're doing. I think that's what's working. Because, you know, we, I think Kennedy played on the wing in round five. Was it against Port? Yeah. And he was dreadful. 
and just looked like a... And, you know, Setterfield's been dreadful on the wing as well, you know. And I feel like Kennedy and Setterfield are those interchangeable, you know, because that's who Kennedy's playing instead of. And they weren't working on the wing where Walsh was in the middle. So I feel like that balance is probably right. But, um, you know, with Kennedy and Dow, I'll speak about Dow later on because I feel like, you know... That needs to happen. Yeah. But, but um, you know, the, the thing with those two is it's just providing a point of difference. And, I, you know, you can tell it's way more damaging having the ball with them right now than it is with Ed Kerno the last fortnight. Mm. See, I'm happy with Walsh on the wing, you know, if it's going to mean that these guys are going to get more involved. Nick, I want to ask you a question about our forwards. Give us, give us your thoughts on Matt Owies and Eddie Betts because they've really turned a corner, particularly in the last, I think, two months, I'd say. Since, well, really, since Owies has come into the team. Yeah. Do you think Owies playing is actually helping Betts? I think there's no doubt about it because before Owies, we didn't really have a secondary small forward because Fisher was injured. And I still think Fisher is a midfielder, personally. I don't think he's a, he's a forward, necessarily. He's just good at it because Zach Fisher will be good wherever you put him because he's a dynamic and versatile player. But, no, Owies is... Owies, is exactly what this club hasn't had since well since we lost Eddie Betts it was is he's he's just going to get six or seven disposals a game uh, he's going to kick a goal or two he's going to put pressure whenever the ball's around him he gives a crap he actually you know wants to be out there and wants to wear the navy blue jersey he's happy to run a hundred meters to chase someone down in the back half of the ground um, I don't have the stats off the top of my head for for this week but since round seven Matt Owies has kicked thirteen goals. Eddie Betts has kicked 18 and Harry kicked 21. So there's not much of a gap between them and Harry's leading the Coleman right now. So Eddie's form has been outstanding and Owies has just gotten the job done consistently. I look forward to seeing Betts, Owies, Honey and Fisher together in this team. Maybe hopefully with Harry and Charlie. I think that might be our best best mix with, with say, Jack Martin and maybe even, uh, who else? Uh, Ed Curto or well, whoever the wrestling midfielder is pushing pushing forward as well. I think that might eventually be our, our best mix, whether it's at the end of this year or at the start of next year. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Matt Owies. See, I don't even... I don't even think we've had a player like him in terms of... It's not even... You know, I don't think we've... It's almost like the poor Puapua role at Hawthorne. It's not even about scoreboard. It's just energy. And, you know, he's always in the contest. Matt, Matt Owies' last quarter last night was just phenomenal. I'm not even sure if he had more than three disposals. But... Just intense and willingness to knock the ball forward and just the one percent. He's a man that gets, but he does the basics right, and that's why he's become a really reliable player at Carlton. I, I, you know, Matt always is firmly in the twenty-two, and I don't think anyone thought we'd be saying that at the start of the year. Absolutely, I've got a, a little trivia quiz for you here, boys. Yeah. So Matt always has played nine games this year and laid twelve tackles inside fifty. Who is the only Carlton player who has laid more tackles inside fifty this year? Oh, this is I love this. Bold, I'll let you have a crack first. Um, in that time period or the entire season? Entire season. Um Oh god. Oh, I'm gonna say Patrick Cripps. It is Patrick Cripps. <laughs> ding Crazy. ding ding. Crazy. <laughs> he, he leads Carlton for tackles inside fifty this year with fifteen, one per game. Um so Matt always has laid twelve in his nine games. Betts twelve in thirteen, Kerno twelve in fifteen games, Fogarty eleven in fourteen games, and Harry eleven in fifteen games, and Silvani's ten in ten games. So 
it's it's not great as far as pressure goes, but at least Owies is bringing that to the table. Yeah, and and something that I absolutely love about Owies is the fact that he applies pressure all around the ground. I mean, we've seen countless times this year he's almost made goal-saving tackles in the defense of 50. Like his, he has, yeah. he, his ability to get back behind the ball and actually run into our defense of 50 to add a number there to help out, especially the midfield who get caught out a lot, I think that's added so much. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Because our forwards before that were not bringing any of that to the table. Uh, again, Zach Fisher's only played the four games, but he's laid one tackle inside 50. Mark Murphy has laid one tackle inside 50 this year. Jack Nunes has yeah. laid two. Petrovsky Seaton's laid three. I know he spent a lot of time in the back line. Jack Martin has laid one. Uh, so our forwards before we started pushing to... And you know what it is? You play forwards in the forward line and they do forward things. You play midfielders in the forward line and they don't do forward things. How strange is that? And, and that's... Yeah, he gets the basics always. Yeah, he does. He's a likable dude. He is. He is. Um, I'm going to ask another question here about Eddie Betts because... He's in, in, he's in. I'm going to say insanely good form for what we thought. For, in terms of what we thought we'd get, the output has been. He's in insanely good form for someone on our rookie list. Yeah, well, <laughs> well I think our rookies are going well. Always Betts and Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let, let Nick, I'll ask you first. Do you, if you're, if you're at the club, if you're the coach, are you giving Eddie a deal for next year? I'm giving him the deal tomorrow. I'm not even waiting. I just give him the deal now. But then again, I'm the same guy who said, give Simpson another deal, give Carissa another deal, give Daisy Thomas another year. And every single time the club's going, nope, too old, doesn't matter. Uh, The the club clearly just sees age and goes, nope, uh, they'll keep someone out of the team next year. Well, who's who's Kate Simpson? Who who would have been out of the team right now if Kate Simpson was in, say, locking down on Liam Ryan in a must-win game when uh, Plowman was suspended? Uh, who, Who had that spot? It was... Poor Stocker, who was completely out of his depth playing on someone like Liam Ryan. Um, what's going to happen next year? Sure, Eddie Betts, okay, he doesn't play. Mark Murphy's played 11 games this year. We've seen half forwards come and go. You know, Jack Martin's been in poor form. So I would rather have Eddie on the list keeping players honest so that players aren't just getting games because there's no one else to take the spot. We also have the worst injury list in the comp, again. So I would much rather have... Kate Simpson on the list just in case we need him. Betty Betts on the list just in case we need him. There's 40 spots and we don't really need to make too many changes. I, I would be giving Eddie the deal as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And Bold and I have spoken about it on the show this year about our thoughts on Kate Simpson that he was, you know, essentially, well, not essentially, he was delisted and it was purely because of his age. As in Simpson finished top 10 in our BNF again, and we are crying out for a player just like him this year to, you know, help out in the back line. We've had to shift from Petrovsky seed into Stocker. And mind you, Stocker was brilliant last night. And we'll get we'll Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll touch but on it. It's him. more even that last night, even like a Williamson or, you know, Parks has played some games. Now, Simpson would be playing in this team. No, no, no. hundred percent Simpson would be playing. I guess that's my point, is that, you know, in the past, as Nick said, the club have, you know, chosen to make decisions on players purely based on their age and it goes the other way as well we've probably kept players on our list that didn't really deserve to be kept on just because of how young they were and exactly. you know that famous word potential that I know Bolt absolutely hates um, and I, yeah I just think this is an opportunity for the club to maybe rectify you know the decision to have got rid of, rid of Simpson and 
Daisy Thomas. I think Cruz is a little bit different because he actually made the call himself to retire. But yeah, I think definitely we need to sign Eddie Betts on Bolt. Do you agree? Yeah, no. Betts has earned a contract. He's earned it. He's playing really good footy. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing, isn't it? Can we reward players for success? Like, Matthew Kennedy deserves a new contract. Yeah. Eddie Betts deserves a new contract. Lockyer O'Brien does not deserve a new contract based on form. Um, if you want to keep him around on potential, sure, but there's that word again. Um, you know, Matt Cottrell did not deserve to be the medical sub last night. He hadn't earned that after poor games and not a great showing in the VFL. Josh Honey's been killing it all season but doesn't get a look in. Um, even as, say, the medical sub is like a good job, you've, you've earned the right to be the next guy in kind of thing. I've had an issue from that perspective with the club all season in terms of integrity of selection and integrity of decision-making. And I think giving rewarding bets and rewarding Kennedy and saying your situations don't matter. If you perform, we'll reward you. I think that's the message that should be sent. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I want to touch on Josh Honey with you, Nick, because I was at the VFL yesterday and uh, I watched him firsthand. What are your thoughts on Honey? And uh, I mean, I, I guess I want to ask, what, what's going on here? Because he's played so well for the whole year in the VFL and hasn't been given an opportunity yet. And someone like Tom Williamson, who, let's be honest, hadn't exactly been setting the house on fire and the reserves come straight in. And you mentioned their you know, integrity when it comes to selection. What's, what's going on here? And, uh, you know... You know, how do we how do we change this going forward in the second half of the year? How do we improve the integrity? It's a bit confusing because, like, even Casbolt. Casbolt was dropped. He got suspended early in a game and then comes straight into the team. Williamson was terrible in that Northern Bullets VFL game. Terrible. And he gets picked because we lost uh, Doherty and Williams. Like, I guess structurally it makes sense to bring in Casbolt. Structurally it made sense to bring in Williamson, but they hadn't earned it. They didn't deserve it. Um, you could have easily shuffled um, shuffled around the positions and, and been fine defensively without playing Williamson. I don't think he had much of an impact on the game at all. Um, but yeah, with the Honey situation, I really do like him. I think he's he's a real interesting player to watch. I've, I've loved, I've watched every VFL game this year, mostly on on the KO. But yeah, he, he doesn't. He's not going to get you twenty disposals. He's going to touch the ball seven or eight times. But he might have six score involvements. He might kick two goals. I like that they're giving him a few chances in the midfield, which is which is uh, interesting. But I guess we also have no depth at all in the VFL right now and need all the help we can get. Um, I don't think Honey is going to thrive in the VFL because I think he's a, he's a cherry on top player. He's a player who's going to thrive at AFL level because he has Harry Mackay where he knows the ball is going to Harry. He knows where, where the ball is going to land. Uh, there's going to be more space. The grounds are in better quality. I think he's going to be a player who's better at AFL level than at VFL level. And I would love to see him get a go. I, I don't see why we can't play the four of them, Honey, Betts, Fisher, uh, and Oe's all together. I, I would love to see that, especially if that means Fisher gets a few more midfield minutes. I don't think you can make the argument that, he, that oh, Honey shouldn't be in the team ahead of Jack Martin right now, for example. Hmm. No, I, I I love that analysis about him being better at AFL level than VFL level because it's hard to explain, but I think you're right. Like, I look at Honey and everything you've mentioned there is, is right. He is a cherry on top type of player. He's definitely more of an impact player than an accumulator. And uh, yeah, I, I absolutely, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there with your analysis of him. Yeah, I, love, I really like him. And we've seen this before where 
you know, we you have to call the Carlton development into question over the last five or six years. I don't think anyone can really say otherwise. We saw this with Harry Mackay as well. Bolton refused to play him in the AFL, letting him get dominated in an understrength VFL team playing in horrendous conditions at Preston City Oval. Like, I was working for the team at the time, and just the, the awful conditions that Harry had to deal with every week, and it's like, nope, we're not going to pick him. But we'll give Dow O'Brien every single game despite not earning it and yeah that whole integrity selection thing has just been going and going for years at this point Mm. yeah it's a really interesting discussion and i think what's obviously been brought up in that um who wrote that piece bolt about the external review was it sam mcclure i'm not sure i remember there was that uh wouldn't put it past him but I'm not oh sure. yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. There, there was I a piece, yeah, there was a piece where written. A player came out and said that they were oh. confused about. Yeah, it was Sam McCall. Yeah, that one yeah. was Sam McCall. Yeah, so um, I think if the player, if there's a player itself, um, mm. itself bringing up integrity of selection, then it's certainly an issue. Well, yeah, but even bigger issue is that there's players complaining to the board, and the board is obviously going to McClure, and that that concerns me more than the integrity issues themselves is the fact that we have players whinging to the board obviously they don't feel they can whinge to the coaches or air their grievances but who knows it's a different club now we've won two games in a row we're on fire uh, get Pav out of the building we're going well <laughs> love that love that all right should we address pd2 yes that's all righty all righty patty so I just want it. So that was game 52 last night, was it? Yeah. So that was tick number two out of 52. Let's just get that. Let's just work with the facts here. When I have been talking about Paddy Dow during the season, I think I've been, I think, you know, when I was wanting him to be dropped and I couldn't understand why he was playing, I think that was, you know, well worthwhile because his form was disastrous at the start of the season. But we'll call it for what it is. He's playing really... And, and I, f- I feel like some people think that I was supporting for him to be bad. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And like I've always said, like, obviously I want him to be good because it means Carlton are getting another, you know, decent midfielder going, which we desperately need. And the last two weeks, even like his kicking has just like, you know, a bit of penetration, a bit of direction. You know, he's been hitting targets. He's, he's honestly, he has turned a corner the last eight quarters, but it's eight quarters. This has to go for the next seven weeks. And then if he had... If he, imagine if Paddy Dow finishes 2021 with a massive nine weeks and hits the preseason in, like, ripping Nick. Like, he's almost going to be the most exciting prospect in 2022. And I say that from someone who was a Dow basher. Mm. And I, I think, you know, I think, you know, his form wasn't worthy of selection. And I'm happy to stick with that. It wasn't. It wasn't even close. But, you know... He'll hopefully he continues to prove that opinion wrong, and you know hopefully he becomes a really you know important player because you know he's, he's he has offered something that we haven't had, and it's just another capable midfielder because it's the skinniest midfield in the AFL. You, you can't can't disagree with any of that. Like he he has not earned regular games, well ever. You, no. you can't say because he was given games freely under Bolton. That was clearly their strategy. Uh, last year he didn't deserve regular games and yes he was injured at the start of the year this year at the start of the season they, they threw him the ball and said hey you had a good preseason let's go and he deserved to be dropped um, yeah. but again I th- and I think part of that is him being played out of position being played at half forward being played on like uh, the wings on the outside 
Paddy Dow is a pure inside clearance winning midfielder and finally they're playing him there and he, he's he's rewarding he's clearly a confidence player those kicks that he was hitting in uh, on Saturday night and even that that really impressive kick he, he, he nailed in the fourth quarter last week um, that really crucial moment in the game he does not hit those kicks a month ago he's clearly got the talent but he clearly also needs confidence so I just hope this form rolls on Carlton fans will will jump right behind him as this form builds hopefully that escalates his confidence and we see the best of him because yes he really only did it for a, for a half uh, last night but yeah. Yeah, he's still he's still a young player who needs more preseason preseasons under his belt and you know if he if he does what he did for a half yesterday for a full game that's 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 a serious midfield performance yeah it is and I, you know I'm negative Nancy and I can easily sleep well with that half that he played in the first half. But I think, and I think you're, you're right. The, I think for me, the biggest improvement for Dow over the last fortnight, I've never, you know, I feel like ball winning ability hasn't really ever kept me up at night. It's more his kicking just always yep. got me. And the, the, the it's, I, I, I actually, I said to you, I sat with Jed at the footy last night. I don't know. I said to you, I don't know where the kickings come from. It's literally like we've switched the... He's switched the flick here. He's flicked the switch. <laughs> he's flicked the switch. Um, the, Harry Potter stuff. Yeah, it's just... Um, it's, it's, it's rattled me a little. <laughs> he's, he's clearly found confidence to be able to step through traffic and use his acceleration. He's clearly worked out that that belongs at AFL level and that can, that can work. And clearly flowing from that is, is being able to hit his kicks on the run. Maybe that's a balance thing or... A, just a confidence thing because you're right he was he, not not just a bad kick he was a horrendous kick horrendous. he's always been a really smart handballer he's always been good at weighting those handballs into space and hey if he if he can kick like he has in the last two weeks for the rest of his career we'll take it it's better than most midfielders to be honest and it's better than most players in our team so we'll take it yeah absolutely now I think we can all acknowledge the the impact he's now having, he's definitely improved. And I'm going to say out of sight because, you know, from where he came from, you know, even three weeks ago, he's improved majorly. I want to talk about another player who, this one is still sort of splitting the supporter base. I've heard some people they've been wrapped with how he's been playing and others haven't thought much of it. Sam petrevsky Seaton, Nick, I'll ask you first, what are your thoughts on his last fortnight? And has there been an improvement with the way that he's been playing? His last quarter was good. His last quarter was good. When it when it mattered most, he he was in the right spots. Uh, I'm still not sold. I'm still not sold that he. I, what's his best position? It's just I, I I can't work it out. He's not a defender. The fact that the club wasted 18 months of his development playing him in the back line should see whoever made that decision sacked, because you're wasting a top five draft picks uh, development, confidence, talent. Um, I think it was a pathetic decision, and whoever whoever mastered master stroke that one um, should be out the door um, is he a pure on baller he hasn't really had the opportunity but also he, he can't be giving him we've just been talking about how well the balance has been working and the other players that need a chance in there is he a wingman I don't know if he has the the you know the gut running to do that is he a half forward is he a half forward probably not is he a small forward he's, he's definitely not so I just don't know what he develops into. I, I would love to see him just settle into one thing. He missed a couple of really crucial tackles on the on the weekend. I mean, if you 
you watch the Jacob Wiedering mark that that the one-handed mark he took that only happens because Plowman loses the contest again and then Pajowski Seaton doesn't stick a tackle on a tiny Liam Henry um, so he, he, I think he's going to be a yo-yo for, for as, as long as he doesn't have a position and that's sort of where I sit on it well I think the way you put it I, the way you put it is I, it depends if you look at Pajowski Seaton glass half full glass half empty I look at Petrovsky yeah. Seaton glass half empty and that's why I deem him just a nothing player. He's, you know, he's, he's played, what, 90-odd games now? You know, late 80s, yeah. early 90s? That's a lot of footy. That's a lot of data. That's a lot of vision to, you know, be able to make a judgment on a player. And I just... He just... Even like his kicks are nothing, you know? He just doesn't break... I just don't think he brings anything to the table which is just going to ever win us a game of footy, which is ever going to, you know, contribute in a way in which he's ever going to be a regular best 22 player. You know, he's very replacer. He's just... He really... There's just not... You know, he's not the worst player at Carlton, but he's just... He really is just floating in no man's land, Petrovsky Seedon. And, and that's just the unfortunate nature of probably the chopping and changing of positions. Totally. I mean, if Zach Fisher is fit play this weekend it's either Petrovsky, Seaton, Nunes or Martin who come out of the team it's probably Martin but if Petrovsky, Seaton gets dropped again I don't think any of us are going to bat an eyelid are we? No no, and I'd be shocked if they so. drop Martin ahead of Petrovsky, Seaton Yeah and we know they love Nunes to death so um, and we probably need someone like Nunes against the bigger body Geelong midfield um, and I would rather have Fisher than Petrovsky, Seaton against Geelong if, if that's the the one to one comparison um, you're right. He, he had I don't know how many disposals he had, but his last quarter was good. But aside from that, like you know, if you replace, if you literally just swap him and Cottrell, I don't think the result or the game changes in really any way, shape, or form. No way, honestly. Which is which is a problem. Mm. Now, Nick, you mentioned you know you want to play Fisher in the midfield. I'm of the same opinion. I want to ask. Why has he never just been... Well, not never, but why in recent... Well, this year and last year, has he not just been plonked on a wing? I mean, to me, he seems like the perfect option to fill the biggest hole in our team, which is, you know, we don't have pure wingers other than... Well, Nunes is, I guess, a pure winger. And, you know, the other wing's been, you know, filled by Doherty and Walsh and, you know, O'Brien in round Cottrell. one, Cottrell, different players every week. Why do we not just put Fisher there? I mean, he's to me, he seems like the perfect fit. Well, I, I imagine it's part of the same stubbornness that saw Paddy Dow at half forward and SPS at half back for 18 months. The coaching staff, in their wisdom, made these decisions. And if they give up on them too quickly, then it, they look bad. So I imagine that's part of it because Zach Fisher seems like a perfect wingman to me. He's he, perfect. You want Nunes being the defensive wingman and you would want Fisher being the attacking one, sort of pushing into the stoppage and pushing forward. I think it would work really well, but um, evidently they really want to keep him as a small forward. And I, as you said, we don't have the wing depth, do we? But we do have depth at small forward now because you could just bring Honey into that position or you could play Martin as a more permanent forward, which might be effective. Oh, he's, he's now an official part of the best 22, you know? So, um, yeah, I would love to see Fisher playing on the wing. Yeah, no, I definitely would love to see him playing there. Uh, let's talk about the back line. Liam Stocker. Oh. 
Bolt, I'll let you kick this off because you were raving about him all night. He was brilliant, wasn't he? He was he was really good last night. And I tweeted after the game, it was Heath Scotland-like. It was. There was a lot of Heath... Because Heath Scotland was you know tough, nuggety, reliable. He could defend, but then he always went the other way. Heath Scotland was a beautiful kick. And I just see so much of Liam Stocker in that. I actually don't see Stocker becoming a center clearance player at Carlton. I see him being that drive off halfback. And, oh... He, you know, he made this spoil. I think it was in the last yeah. quarter, and it was just they were. I think seven. I don't know. They were maybe. Oh. A, were they maybe a goal behind? And maybe. we got, we got was, smashed look, on the rebound. It was in the middle of the last quarter war, and Stocker was just. I don't. Stocker was just brilliant last night. I was being very impressed with him. You know, and we've always said he slotted in nicely to the level, but now I think he's starting to. You know, almost know his own game. You know, and how he's going to contribute you know, really well, you know, to, I guess, get results over the line for us. I'm very, I'm very bullish about Stocker. He has really made me excited. And I think last night, last night was just sensational. Mm. He was great. Nick, what are your thoughts on the stock? Yep. Love him. I, I love him because he, he, he genuinely cares, which is, again, something you can't say about all of Carlton's uh, high draft picks. He really wants to improve. He really wants to fit into this team. That, Contest. I don't know if it's that one you're talking about, but the one where he got absolutely cleaned up, um, but still got there to to, to uh, break up the contest. Um, yeah, he's. I, I'm trying to picture the hit Scotland comparison in my head because Scotland was such a Rolls Royce and always took an extra three seconds before he kicked the ball to work everything out. Um, Stocker, Stocker to me seems like um, a bit more of a bash and crash type, whereas you know Scotland's. You know he's not going to put himself in the hole to get to get destroyed. He's going to uh, rove it off the pack and, and clear the ball kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, it's hard to really judge him because of the the roles that they've given him. Whether it's you know playing on Toby Green for a bit or playing on Liam's playing on Liam Ryan and those kind of matchups are, are awful and you don't want to be playing Liam Stocker in that situation. If only you know you had Kate Simpson or something. Um, but. Yeah, so I, I think if he can play a sort of a less accountable half-back kind of role, I think um, that's sort of the role for him until there's that, that midfield opening. But um, I, you can't you can't tell me that his performance last night was any any worse than anything than maybe the best performance performances we've seen from Zach Williams so far this year. So I don't I don't see how you know Stocker makes way or loses any scope in the team when Williams comes back in. No. He's clearly earned that role. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I've been a massive fan of Stocker. And, you know, something, and you mentioned this, something I just love about him is that he really cares. And, I mean, I, I want to see more emotion from our players. I want to see more. Mm. I, I want to see the players get around each other. When someone does something good, get around them. Like, really, you know, boost their confidence. When someone gets hit by an opposition player, go to that opposition player, get stuck into them. Stocker absolutely does that. He absolutely does that, and it kills me that they didn't get around him for his first goal. Um, uh, yeah. It just the more he gets around his teammates, the more it kills me that they didn't get around him. But yeah. um, I absolutely love that side of his game, and and it's and it, it, I know it's not having a direct. Well, it's interesting because it's not like he's actually doing anything when it comes to having the ball in his hand. But in terms of the team camaraderie, he's. It, I think it has a genuine impact, you know, the fact of how much he, you know, cares about his he's teammates. He's got balls. 
He does. He does have balls. And, <laughs> and and I think him and Plowman are two of the ones in our team who, you know, consistently do that and just get around their teammates. And, you know, there's a lot of players in our team who, who don't. And, you know, it's sometimes hard to see. But, yeah, Liam Stocker is certainly one that cares and, and absolutely um, puts his body on the line for the team. We have a lot of quiet introverts on the team. And I think Daisy Thomas said that a couple of years ago when he retired that, you know, it's a team of, of quiet introverts and that, to me, doesn't win premierships. You know, that's why I was willing for Cottrell to be in the team a bit longer than he probably deserved to be because he brought that energy. Matt always brings the energy. Stocker brings energy. You know, these guys these guys are hungry. They want their opportunity. Um, and that's what, I want, that's what we want to see, you know. For too long, this Carlton team has been meek and quiet and willing to be stepped on and you know, seeing Stocker get into his opponent after a downfield a free kick is exactly what we want to see. And I hope I hope we continue to, you know, bring in players like that. Williamson has a bit of lip about him, even if his performance sometimes yeah. doesn't back it up, you know. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's almost why the last two weeks have been a bit more character and flair at the footy, you know, rather than those boring Gold Coast and Hawthorne wins. You know, even the Adelaide game was a bit exhausting, you know, because holding on to the lead. But it was just, you know, at least it was a bit of flair and a bit of energy. You know, mm. it's good. Yeah, it's good. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's quickly... Just quickly, just quickly. We actually have... There's a player among us. There's a player in our team who I'm going to call the fourth quarter specialist. He's the fourth quarter specialist and it's Adam Saad. Yes. Adam Saad's fourth quarters in all six Carlton wins this year have been phenomenal. That man just knows. He just knows. I love him. And I I know and I used to love him, you know, mainly on the fact that, you know, he got out of Essendon and came to the good side of town, but he is just a star. He is Oh, I love Adam Saad. He's unbelievable. Oh, and he, he's you know, that probably comes down a little bit to fitness. But it also comes down to that same smart. thing. Smarts, he just yeah, he's 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 so smart. He's oh that left foot, how good's that left peg? No, the media criticism of him this year, lumping him in next to Williams, has just been so stupid. A like, joke. He is being, he's probably what fourth in our best and fairest right now. Yeah, I've got him third. Maybe, I think maybe third. Yeah. yeah, you could genuinely say that it's Weidering Walsh in any order, and then Saad. Yeah, um, I don't think you, you. You, I think that's a very fair argument. He's been fantastic this year. That touch he got on the Lockie Schultz goal, he wasn't even on the screen when Schultz went to drop the ball onto his foot and he somehow got a finger to it. Um, his spoil on Fife in the last quarter, the breaking away, then stopping and finding a lateral target. He, Yeah, he's, he's a star. He hits kicks that no one else in the team can kick or would even attempt. Um, he's worth every cent. And if you look at the Herald Sun thing this year, you uh, top 100 rich thing, they say he's earning 600k, which is what an above-average, uh, uh, talented rebounding defender should be earning. He's not on 900k, which again seems to be reported every week because him and Zach Williams are the same person, apparently. Yeah, and no, I, I love Adam Saad. Oh, I I mean, I'm actually looking at his picture at the moment, and he's just—he <laughs> does it for me. <laughs> he, I love the guy. <laughs> I love him. He's um, yeah. I, you know what? I couldn't. I couldn't have said it better myself. I hate that they've just put him next to Williams, and he's just. It's 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 because it's easy for them. It's gutter journalism. It's so easy. It's so, easy. It's so rubbish, though. And like, I don't like. 
I don't, I didn't want to mention this bloke, but like seen it a lot on Twitter about you know Nick Hines and the comparisons. Oh. They're not even close. It's not even. No. They're, they're playing in different galaxies. No, and like sure, Nick Hines is probably on a hundred k a year, but that's not Carlton's <laughs> fault. That's not Adam Sard's fault. That's fuck, that's St Kilda's fault. Yeah. You know? Why is Adam Sard being compared to him? Yeah, good on your ass, and then you you're tenth on the ladder, and you have a half decent. Uh, player you picked up for nothing. Good for you. Um, you know, I'd rather have Adam Side every every bloody day of the week. It's not even close. And they would as well. Like, yeah. And Nick they Hind, would as well. Nick Hind, he's not even the Kmart Side. He's the Audi no. Side. He's the he's the Audi uh, on sale Side. <laughs> it's funny. I don't think he'd be. I don't think he'd get a game for us. Who? Hind. Oh no, he's not steady. No. Well, hang on. Who's he playing? Well, Williams and Sard are better than him. Oh, well, I think Hines had a significantly better year than Zach Williams. He has, but yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I don't, I'm just very. It just gets under my skin. No, it does. Those, he pisses those me off. Those dumb Essendon fans. <laughs> they are the worst fan base. They seem to think Nick Cox is the second coming of Jesus. Oh my god! They think who? Oh, Nick Cox. You know what? And I'm happy to say, I don't even think he's the best rising star candidate in their team. I think Harry Jones is a better candidate than him. Archie Perkins gets at least playing some football, you know? Like, yeah, come on. Nick Cox is good because what he... Do you know, uh, I've said this to the Essendon fans in my life and they really hate it, so I'm running with it. Nick Hind is just Justin Westhoff 2.0. If he's lucky. He's just Justin Westhoff. In what sense? He's just, you know, a lanky utility 200 Oh, Nick Cox. Nick Cox, yeah. Sorry, not Nick Sorry, Cox. yeah, 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 yeah. Did I say Nick Cox? Yeah. That's probably oh. why it was silent. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Cox. Yeah. No, 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 I see, I see that. I see that. He's just, he's just Justin Westhoff with, you know, a bit of midfield uh, sprinkled in. Yeah, it's actually, I actually don't mind that. Look, Justin Westhoff was an awesome player, and, you know, they'd, they'd probably take that, but they'd also probably be expecting something much more. I remember well, Justin Westhoff. Well, now they're expecting him to be... They're expecting him to be fucking 200 centimetre Ben Cousins at this point. So. Oh, I was going to say Adam Goods. Yeah. So expectations are high. Yeah. Yeah, but I love Adam Saad. It's, it's, he's exciting. He's exciting. I guess even since he was dropped a couple of weeks ago, Newman has stepped up on the half on the other halfback flank. Yeah, how good's pocket. Newman been? Was that the weirdest omission of the year too? Like, yeah. Why was he dropped? 100%. Because he couldn't play on Toby Green? One hundred percent. We don't have a player on our list who can play on Toby Green. Yeah. No. No. You. No. You're right. That was the weird, and probably Murphy as well was one of the weirdest omissions. But yeah, that Newman, that Newman dropping was bizarre, and he's absolutely, um, you know, put cake in the face of whoever dropped him because he's been mm. sublime since he's returned in the last two weeks. We may as well just blame it on John Barker. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Do you remember when um when Mark Neal had left Essendon? Yeah, and no matter what, whatever whatever good was coming out of that club, it was yeah yeah Mark Neal left. Like it was all Mark Neal. Let's just do that with John Barker. Yeah, H is kicking more goals. Yeah, John Barker, John Barker. <laughs> I wonder who's got the worst who's who's got the worst winning record when they've been senior coach Neal or John Barker. It'd be close. It'd be close. <laughs> Um, Nick, thank you so much for joining us on the show this week. It's been an absolute pleasure and we really appreciate you taking out the time uh, on your Sunday night to join us. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. And thanks Cheers, for mate. Get stuck into yeah. <laughs> every, every day of the week, we'll do it. <laughs> so good. Thanks, Nick. We uh, look forward to chatting to you soon. Catch you, boys. Cheers, mate.
Nick Negropontis, the great man. You can get around him on, on Twitter at Nick Negropontis. Definitely worth a follow. He's, uh, he's one of my favorite Twitter people, I think, Nick uh, Bolt, because he's always bringing up these great stats. And he, I, I, I genuinely relate to his opinion on footy. Very educated opinion. And I think he's very similar to ours. You know, I like realistic people. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's, and he's one of them. Let's move on. Twitter questions. Okay, let's kick it off because they're back, Bolt. We haven't done them for a couple of weeks, but they are back. First one coming in hot from Damien Birmingham. He says, another baby step in the right direction. We won't fix our faults, defense in particular, overnight, but the fight in the last quarter was excellent. We normally lose those. I'm looking forward to what we can produce against the Cats. That will really tell us if we are on the improve. Well, we beat them in Geelong last year, so easy four-goal win of the G. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's fair, Damien. I, I, yeah, that's definitely a baby step in the right direction. And uh, It was just so mature. Yeah. It really was. It was a great win. And this Geelong match will tell us a lot. AM at OzMac1 says, I watched that from Barcelona. Barcelona, that is awesome. Uh, AM, we jealous. love that. Yeah, definitely jealous. Watched that from Barcelona. Thought Sauce Dow Kennedy gave great support for Walsh and Cripps. Even Betts and Oe's midfield pressure was better, and they're chasing back. That is an awesome tweet. I'm going to give that one a like. Uh, and I'm glad. I can't believe we haven't talked about Jack Silvani yet. We've been going. He, need, he needed that. We've been going for like 50 minutes, and I can't, I'm really annoyed we didn't bring it up with Nick. But That's uh, right. he needed that Silvani because I felt he was on the edge a little bit. How good was he? He was good, and he hit the scoreboard, which was nice. He, no, he was very good. He was in our top three last night. I, I've seen I've seen a lot of people giving their top three on Twitter. Yep. And the general consensus has been Silvani, Weedering, Walsh. See, yeah, I, I reckon I'm a Walsh, Weedering, Sard. I, I think Silvani's last quarter Silvani was ridiculous. Was, uh, Silvani was great. He was great. Um, next one from at Navy Blue Zenith says. Sam Walsh, goal of the year. Jokes aside, our backline is our best unit right now. Weedering and Jones for talls. Stocker for Grunt. Plowman for a, for a tall or a small. Saad and Newman for foot skills and run. And Zach Shaw to come back in. Is Doc a winger now? Willow has shown promise in the past, but surely he's out for Williams. Yep, I would say that would be the easy change. Williams in for Williamson. It's um. I think Williamson's just... Can, let, let, let's 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 talk about him for a second I, here. I, I think it's as simple as he's just not up to it. I heard I heard someone saying last night. Um, yeah, I heard someone saying that they thought he was done. Um, it's really interesting because he was almost our most improved player last year alongside Will Setterfield, if not the most improved, definitely our second most improved. And uh, we were really bullish about Tom Williamson Bolt coming into season two thousand and twenty one. We saw great things from him. We saw maybe even a shift onto the wing. I don't know. We were bullish. He's had a mare. He's had a mare of a season, and I don't know what you can put it down to because you can tell he's one of those players who really tries hard and really cares, and he was one of my favorites last year. Absolutely one of my favorite players, but I'm, I'm just, I'd love to see more from him. Mm, yeah, he's, he's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> That's all, just yep, he's in a lot of trouble. Well, he is. There's nothing more to add. He is. <clears throat> um, Josh Waldron says Kennedy down, Petrovsky Seedham playing good footy in their recruited positions. When do we unleash stock into the midfield? I'm interested to hear Bolt's thoughts on Paddy Wow. Ah, uh, this is going to be a bit of a theme. Yeah, isn't you, it? you'll get a th- definitely a theme here, Bert. That's all right. I deserve it. 
Um, <laughs> my thoughts on what do you call him, Paddy Wow? Yeah. Well, on this podcast, we call him Paddy Dow. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> don't, don't play him down. I'm not playing him. He, I've said it countless times, and I tweeted it last week. His last eight quarters have been brilliant, but it's two from 52. We have to steady, and if he ends the season, I'm, and I'm happy to say it, if he ends the season with his last nine games being super, he's going to be the most exciting prospect heading into 2022 at Carlton and almost the entire league. Mm. I'm happy to say it. And when he becomes that consistent player, it, yep, I'm happy to say it will be egg in my face. And you got to live with that, but I'm very happy for him and it's good for us because it's shown what a difference an extra you know, young midfielder can make. It absolutely has. Uh, Michael Cerevolo says, should we be investing in Chera? I feel like we could maybe use that money for two to ha- two to three handy players and build depth instead. It's it's, <clears throat> it's interesting, but I guess it's just a matter of, you know, who? It's, it's such a hard hypothetical. Chera's a great player, but I, see, as good as I think Adam Chera is, and he fits the age demographic, he fits a lot of things. But I don't see him as a big fish yet. It's probably more of an intelligent... Rec- it's a tough one. It's a t- I feel like Chera is a tough one. You know why? And you've hit the nail on the head there in what you're about to say. He's not yet a big fish recruit, but we'd be paying for a big fish yeah, recruit. Yeah, it's like an anticipation recruit. Yeah. Because we're getting him only after four years, where usually these, you, know, you pay these young midfielders after six, seven, eight mm. years in the system. So we've gone a little bit early, and you know, if we're going to give him, let's say, 750 for four or five years, it's a big contract... To give to someone, and and you use the term a lot, and I like it when you dish out these contracts. You know, for that size, they should be the safest picks ever. Mm. And you know, is Adam Chera as good as he is at the moment? Is he the safest pick ever to you know be in your top five or six players on your list? I'm not sure, but he's a good player, and he looked good last night, and so did his mate Brayshaw. Mm. And that's the level. You know, they were the same draft as Dow. Yep. That's the level he needs to probably get to, hopefully in 12 months' time, if all things go well. But, yeah, look, I'd be very happy to welcome Chera to Carlton. But I think it's, you know, it's not something that, you know, I'm going to pop open a bottle of champagne if Adam Chera <laughs> signs for Carlton. Um, Greg Williams says, "What? how do we approach the Cats next weekend? What positional changes do we need to make to be competitive against a top four side? It's going to be an interesting game. So... Jeremy Cameron shouldn't play. He which, sh- is, which is bloody awesome. <laughs> which is awesome. Because it just would have meant that Jones and Weedring probably had to play really strict, tight defensive games. Mm. Um, and they'll bring in that Potts Radigalia. Um, him, him and Stanley should play. Um, you, know, I, you know I don't like... Well, not that I don't like him. I just don't rate him at all, Radigalia. No. So, he should come in for Cameron. I think Geelong's going to be very tough. Geelong's going to be tough. Um, midfield is the big one there. Dangerfield yeah. was back to his bullish ways on Friday yes. night. We know Guthrie. We know Selwood. They're three animals. They get on all fours and win the footy. <laughs> when, you, when you're putting it like this, I'm just thinking it could get ugly. Well, oh, look, we tamed them last year. Oh. Let's wait and see. But that was a night as well. And Casbolt was really good that night. And talking about Casbolt, there's a lot of responses here, Bolt. I'm not going to go through them all because it is quite uh, 
It's quite negative, which is, I guess, fair, but we're not, we don't have to bring them all up. But what I'll, did you I'll, think of his left foot kick in the last quarter? <laughs> I'll bring up one here. I'll, be, I'll bring up one of the things that I, I think is funny. Mark Blamire says, does Casbolt have nudes of the selection committee? <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> um, you know, I think he does. I think... Maybe he has more than nudes, by the way. Well, he's in the nudes. same WhatsApp group as Cottrell. And Damon Newell says, just a statement that Casbolt is not an AFL footballer. We're going to move on. Do you on. think Casbolt will be on our list next year? Let's move on. No, nah, no. Nah, he can't be, but let's... let's... Do, you think, do you think he'll retire on his own terms maybe a week or two out from the end of I, the season? Think, or do you think this will be a postseason? You know what? It's... I, I would have loved Casbolt to have retired at the end of last year because he would have left on a really good note and he would have left... like, Because he I, turned I, it around for 12 months, 18 months. I hate that. I hate that this year is killing him because he really he, he was bloody awesome in 2019. Like, it was absolutely fantastic, and he was really good last year as well. And I think he's just gone one too many. Yep. And I don't want him to go too too many because it'll just kill his reputation, and I don't think he deserves that. I think. I, I yeah. I think he'll be gone. Um, Franco. <laughs> The D word, Franco says, mm. the D word has come back to bite you both in the ass after the talk earlier this year from you both. Well, actually, I've never been a Dow basher. Once again, I tweeted that post the Gold Coast game where he'd played a month in the side and his form his form was nothing short of reserves level. And, they, and they've dropped him twice since. So, you know, the club agreed with me. He was dropped. He's play, you know, he had a genuine stint in the reserves. And once again, I'm happy for him. And it's great for the club that he's playing well. But at the time of me us recording these episodes, his form 100% warranted him being omitted. 100%. Yep. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, John Gauchi says, do we need to look at our fitness guru in the review? Our last five, eight, five to eight minutes of each quarter, we tend to just leak goals and make shocking errors. Which is why it's always worrying last night. Even, you know, we're eight points up with three minutes to go or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just thought they'd maybe come again. But, oh, yeah, it is worrying because end of the second and third quarters. Third quarter, we got it back out to 23 points after Silvani kicked that set shot and scores a level at three-quarter time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, they uh, definitely need to look at that in their review because our fitness has to come into question. Uh, Adam Clancy, this is a great tweet. Great tweet. He says, uh, Kennedy, another contract. Just in a word, Bolt, right now, you either sign him on for another year or you delist him. What are you doing? One word. Yes or no? Sign. Yep, I'm the same. Sign. Well, you can't delist him off the back of what we've seen the last three weeks. Yep. Oh, this is the thing, though. We've been seeing it when he plays there for the whole time. I think it was his first year at the club. The back half of his first year... He started to really get his hands on the footy. What was that, 2018? I reckon 2018. So, he played a really good game. I think it was against at, at Collingwood. E- at Etihad, I reckon, against GWS. In 2018? Oh, that's the game we got smashed by 16 men. There was a game I reckon he, I reckon he played against Collingwood on a Sunday at the MCG in 2018. Maybe it was that one. And maybe... And I reckon he was really good in that game. It was where Charlie Kerno took that big mark on the wing. Hmm... I was in Russia for the World Cup during that game. <laughs> um, Watched it in a car park on my phone. Only place I could get 4G. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, and Adam Clancy said, uh, yes, he said Kennedy, another contract. And then he also said a special mention to the baby bombers who only lost by 41. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? 
I think the whole Essendon thing about their treatment in the media, I think they're getting treated a little bit nicer than us in the media because their expectations were so much lower than ours coming mm. into the season and the output's been the same on the win-loss ledger. So I kind of understand why they get painted in a better narrative than us. They were meant to finish bottom three or four. Mm. We were meant to push for the eight. And they're two, two or three spots higher than us on the ladder. So I kind of get it. Um, but stuff them still. Stuff them. Peter Carrick says, not getting carried away, but how much better does our midfield rotation look now with Dow and Kennedy going in there and SPS on the outside? I'm not sold on Petreski seeding, but the other two have been brilliant the last fortnight. Yep. John- my Matt Kennedy and my adopted son. <laughs> John S says, why or why did it take so long for Kennedy to get a game in the senior side? He gives us so many different options. I'm hoping he can get a contract extension next year. So there's a lot of love coming in for Matt Kennedy. Um, Mitch says, can we say the D word yet? <laughs> oh, I like that, Mitch. And Mickey C says, how <laughs> how effing good was Sam Walsh? Oh, he is effing good. He is He's- an absolute superstar. Bolt, let's leave the podcast on that note on Sam Walsh. Oh, Brownlow Smokey? Brownlow, absolutely a Brownlow Smokey. Where have you got him in yours? I've got him two votes off the top. It's a bit of a... Walsers. I wasn't a, expecting that high. Oh, no. He's so... He's getting altitude sickness. There's about seven or eight of them in this big pack at the top. But we'll see. I think if we win some games in the back half, don't rule it out. 25 disposals, a goal, eight marks, eight tackles, 20 pressure acts, a clearance, two inside 50s. An absolute brilliant performance by Sam Walsh. And we'll quickly read out Matt Kennedy's stats as well because I loved his game. 22 touches at 75%. He kicked a goal, six tackles, four marks, four score involvements, a goal assist. Was fantastic. Four clearances, four inside 50s and a rebound 50. That is just a fantastic performance. 25 pressure acts and 390 metres gained. Matt Kennedy, what a performance. Bolt, let's leave it on Sammy Walsh and Matt Kennedy, two of the... uh, the performers from last night's match. Blue Bag is once again another show in the books. We'll be back to do it all again next week. A special thank you to Nick Negropontis for joining us on the show, Bolt. We'll do it all again next week. Go Blues. Against the famous old-